0: Let's get into this next word, right? The third word that we want to talk about, and the word is faithful, faithful. Being faithful means obedience to what God has called you to. Jesus told us to make disciples. He never said make converts. Now, I'm not against seeing people saved, amen? But how many times are we just seeing people saved but no one's following up to make sure that they become a convert. Let me ask you, let me ask, this is really weird. How many people brag on how many kids they have? Think about it. Well, I've got five kids. Well, big deal. Come on, you don't brag on how many kids you have. You brag on how well they turn out. We need to stop bragging on how many got saved and start talking about how many got discipled. not, Not how many we got seated, but how many got... Amen. It's more about, amen. I want a pastor. I don't want a pastor church with just people sitting in pews. I want a pastor church where when people leave here, they leave with a commission. They leave with a calling. They leave with a burden. They, f- they leave here wanting to touch someone's life. They leave here a mature uh, person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get a, Can you give him a praise right now? Amen. So the title, the title of this message is Game Day. Now, if you're a sports person, you know that term. It's game day, and that that's a big deal. But but but, but it's it's time for an announcement to the church. It's game day. We've been preaching about a darkness that's been coming over our our culture. And it's, it's time to figure this out, and it's time to understand that the darker it gets, the more you're going to be standing out if you're living the way you ought to be living. So we can't compromise with the culture. We can't just start acting like them. We can't go along to get along. We don't have to be contentious. We don't have to be argumentative. We don't have to get ugly. We don't have to walk around with the family Bible under our arm and hit people over the head with it. (laughs) But we've got to get to the place where people know there's something different. Amen. And there's something attractive. Come on. Romans says it's the love of God that leads to repentance. And how do they see it unless we show it? Let's stop fighting with the world, and let's start loving the world. Oh, come on. Help me now. Help me now. Help me now. You know, today I'm I'm, I'm concerned that most Christians are just watching the game. And if they're just watching the game, then we become, you know, the game managers. We become, uh, you know, our role is to keep them happy. Keep them comfortable. Make sure there's a wow factor. And make sure we outwow the previous week. So we even, we're not only competing with the world, but we're competing with what we did last week. And we have to keep wowing people. And let me say this, too. Sometimes we don't think we've been in church unless we, unless we get wild. Yeah. Oh, that was a great service. Well, Yeah. But you know, sometimes the greatest services are the quiet ones. You don't know what people, what God's doing out there sometimes. You don't know how, you know. It's not my job to keep one-upping each service. You know, and, and so most Christians today are, are just watching the game. And, and and if that's the case, in a lot of churches, most of the of the time, of the staff, and most of the money of the church is invested in the show instead of reaching the lost. Because we have to maintain the show. Listen, I'll get to some other stuff here in a little bit. Listen, there's a difference between a college football coach and a high school football coach. Big difference. Y'all know what I'm talking about. A high school coach takes whosoever will. It's like, who wants to try out? right? And all these, all these boys show up, and you look at them, and they're scrawny, and you go, I well." But you But what are you looking for? You're looking for, okay, what can they do? What's their talents? What's their abilities? What can this one do? What position could that play? You don't know. You don't know what you got. They're, they're just raw talent. But if you're a college coach, If you're a college coach, you're recruiting. You're going to high schools, and you don't you don't look at the whole team. You look at those one or two. They're already proven. So, so listen, this happens in the church, too. We kind of, you all ready? We just kind of wait for those proven Christians to come in. I need a linebacker. I need a quarterback. I need a... Half back. I need this, I need that. We're looking for someone already developed that would contribute to the college team so we can make money. And if we're not careful, we just sit around and wait for those people to come. And I thank God for them. <laughs> Listen, I'm no dummy. I will put them to work. If they're already, someone else discipled them, someone else, but, amen, I'll put them to work in a minute. minute. But listen, we've got to have a new commitment, amen, at a high school level to look at everyone who walks through that door and say, God has a calling for that prayer. Amen, I don't care where they're at in life. They may be broken down, they may be hurting, they may be seemingly absolutely useless to anybody. But God sees what we don't see, and it's time to disciple everyone. Who comes through the door? Anybody here and believing what I'm doing? Amen. But we've got to see it. It doesn't take any skill at all to find people's faults. But finding that gem in them, cutting through all the clutter, and finding that one thing they can do well, now that, that, that's a gift. Anybody with me in the place? Ah, Hallelujah. You know, one is developing players, and the other one is recruiting stars to fill seats. And it's time that we recruit everyone and see what God can do for them. It's time to make disciples, not just converts. Wow. Wow. So speaking of football, one of my favorite teams this year, I never really rooted for them before much because they always lost terribly. The Minnesota Gophers. And that new coach, when did he come? Two years ago? I think it was two years ago. And they all they all thought he was a little corny. And he had a theme. I don't I don't hear many themes of football. Sometimes they pick up a name. But his thing was row the boat. We're gonna row the boat. And that was his theme, and you're gonna hear a lot about that because I I heard from the Lord. Yes, the Minnesota, God used the Minnesota Gophers to give me a word from heaven. And it's three words, row the boat. Hallelujah. You say, well, that's not a boat. Well, I'm getting to that, hang in there. I was so afraid Stitz was going to take my whole sermon right there. But what a metaphor for ministry, to get in the boat I think the church today, remind, the church general reminds me, and that's the picture of churches today. <laughs> First of all, everyone's in their own inner tube. Huh? Everyone's got their own inner tube. Secondly, they're just, they're just floating along. They might, they might roll a little bit. But if they do, it's only to move themselves. And if anyone is slower than them, their attitude is, get out of my way. Oh, am I preaching now? I notice that some of the inner tubes are empty. (laughs) Some people aren't even in their inner tube. So you've got this lazy river. There's no threat. There, there, there's no, there's no, uh, you, know, no re, you know, even if you tip over, you just stand up. It's no big deal. There, there's no threat. There's no uh, 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 talent needed. There's no resources needed. You can go to Walmart and buy a cheap inner tube for 8 bucks and you can float down the lazy river. Come on now. No cost, no investment, no training. All I need is an old inner tube. And I can just float down the lazy river. But we're not living on lazy river days anymore. The culture now is, next screen, this. (laughs) We are on a class five rapids. You cannot go down the rapids on this. This. You know what, we're, we're, listen, people are getting saved in churches and even our church, and we're sending them into a battle that we've never trained them for. We're telling them to get on this thing and say, well, you're saved. Come on board. And they're like, ah, ain't no way I'm getting on that thing. Put me on the lazy river. Come on now. But you don't have any choice anymore. The world's not a lazy river. It's it's bad out there. you got to watch what you even say out there anymore. Someone will beat you upside the head one of those oars. This is is what we have now. When you're on this, you need life preservers. When you're on this, you need a train. They train these people before they get on that. Come on. Well, they're supposed to well, you're a prime example of what not to do. When you're in a class five rapids, they, usually they have classes. They've got a professional there who's steering it, who knows where he's going and knows how to get there and how to avoid the rocks. Amen. And you're trained that you've got to work together, row together. Together. Row hard, row soft, stop rowing, row. You've got to learn all these things. You got to work as a team. Amen. It's threatening out there. You have to buy an expensive raft. You've got the good oars instead of your hands. <laughs> You've got, you, you know, life preservers. You, you, you know, that, that raft costs money. Listen, it's going to cost you something. I know we don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear about a cost. We just want to hear about a blessing. But if we're going to be faithful, it's time to row the boat. It's time to get in this thing together. Say together with me. we got to get in the boat together and get in those rapids and get to where God wants us to go. Can I get an amen? You know, sometimes uh, some, these people are holding on for dear life. I've often said one of the reasons we raise our hands is because life's like a roller coaster. Ah! And we just raise our hands and shout. One man said the church today is like living in a zoo. The animals are comfortable, controlled, well-fed, watched, protected. But they're not wild, and they're not free. (laughs) Go home. I'm done. (laughs) They're not wild, and they're not free. I dare say I wonder if they're really happy. Today, the world we're living in, in the church world, people's expectations are going through the roof They expect their church and their pastor to do all this, but the commitment is down. Expectations, commitment, and leadership lives in between the tension. We're called to make disciples, not converts. Come on now. And and let me tell you this too. I guess you can make the wrong kind of convert too. Oh, you got scripture for that? Yeah. It's a red one. Matthew 23, 15. Woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. This is loving Jesus. For you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, one convert. And when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. I'm not going to, I don't know, I can't judge who's saved, and who's not saved, but I do know this. Some people get saved and they go all in the wrong directions because somebody is discipling them in the wrong way. So quickly, what does a disciple look like? What is, what is it when we say someone is a mature believer? let me tell you it's not just about Bible knowledge listen I, listen I went I, you know I, I, I got my degree I got my master's degree I got my doctorate I sat under uh, under professors who had their 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 uh, um, uh, PhD in theology they knew the scriptures much better than I did but they didn't believe in miracles they didn't believe Mary was a virgin they Listen, you can know the scriptures. That don't mean you're a mature. I mean, that's part of it, right? We need to learn the scriptures. But listen, I'm here to say you can be mature without knowing all the idiosyncrasies of of theology. And, well, I can give you all kinds of words right here. Amen. Let me tell you this, too. It's not about spiritual gifts. Oh, they must be mature. Look at all the gifts they have. No, not necessarily. I've seen some people with a lot of spiritual I've seen people with were just plain ugly to people. I've seen people with spiritual gifts didn't live right. It's not about the position you hold. Oh, they're an elder. They must be mature. Not necessarily. All of ours are. See, those things all, you know, that's all part of maturity, but that's not the main thing. You can have all those things and not be a mature you you say well i i, I I've served the Lord for a long time that, that's not necessarily maturity. There's people they've been saying, twenty, thirty years, we're still changing their diapers. You'll get it later so so what what is it uh, what what, what is it that we can say, this is a mature believer? And the reason I want to say this is because I, I want, you're going to hear this again, because I, at Journey Life Center, at the beginning of this year, as God's speaking to me, we're going to redefine discipleship. We're going to redefine what it means to be a mature Christian. We're going to lay some things down and get us thinking differently. And here's what we're going to think. We're Here's what we're going to say. Here's how we're going to live. Does he love the brothers, and does he contribute? to the unity of the church that's it do you love the brothers oh somebody help me in here that's the measure of your maturity it's not how many times you attend it's not how much money you put into play do you love the brothers do you get along that's the measure now some you're not going to like that you're going to argue with me that's fine i love you anyway Preacher, can you prove that? Yeah, yeah. The guy said, Gee. "Now remember, these are legalistic Jews. This legalistic Jew. He comes up to Jesus. Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Some two. Because there's no such thing as one greatest commandment. If you have one and not keep the other, you're not keeping the first. And the first one is to love the Lord your God." And the second one is, and your brother as yourself. Come on, you can't say, I love God, but I hate people. You're wrong. Well, oh, I just love people. I don't know about God. No, you're not right. You have to love God and love people. Amen. It's a vertical and a horizontal thing. Amen. I love God and I love people. That makes the cross of Jesus Christ. Whew. Anybody helping me in this place? Two, let's read. Let's go. First uh, Peter. Oh, I love First Peter in the Passion. You got to read it in the Passion translation. Listen, First Peter four ten. Every believer, every say every believer, has received grace gifts. Say grace gifts, and here's why you got gifts. So you use so use them to serve one another as faithful of the many-colored tapestry of God's grace. Those are rich, rich Greek words. That word uh, f- uh, uh, serve is the word deacon. <laughs> to be a servant is to be a deacon. That word steward. See, there's a difference between a steward and a slave. There's different difference between being a steward and an employee, to, to put it in today's terminology. Amen. Amen. I I mean, see, a steward is somebody who represents the affairs of the master. He doesn't just do what the master says. He represents the master in his affairs. We need to be good stewards of the gifts that God has given us. That word gift is grace, unmerited favor. What has God given you? And more importantly, what are you doing with it? Oh, I can give you some examples. I'm running out of time. This is faithfulness. 1 Peter 3.8. Now, this is the goal. Say, so this is the goal. Say it. This is the goal. To live in harmony with one another. Come on now. The, pre- the word will preach itself. And demonstrate affectionate love. Not a pat on the back. Love you, man. And I'm not saying go around kissing each other. Affectionate. Affectionate love. Come on. Sympathy. I feel what you're going through. Come on. I'm trying to walk in your shoes. And kindness toward other believers. How about this? Let humility describe who. You are, people say, as you dearly love one another. How many times do you hear people say, now that's a humble man? That's a humble woman. In this society, there's no, there's no use to that. There's no value in that, right? Humility is a weakness, but it's not a weakness. Let me, tell you what, let me tell you what humility is. Humility is hanging on the cross, able to call 10,000 angels and destroy all your enemies, but he didn't do it. That's humility. True humility takes a lot more strength than any man really has. Amen. It takes a lot of strength to be humble towards each other. Verse 9, never retaliate when someone treats you wrongly, nor insult those who insult you, but instead respond by speaking a blessing over them. Come on. Next time someone cusses you out, bless you, man. Bless your home, bless your kids, bless your finances. <laughs> Come on. Because a blessing Is what God promised to give you. You cursed Him. I'm waiting on an amen, except for you that are born saved. I know some of you were born saved. Apparently, Stitz was born saved. I thought he came out shouting out of the womb. I believe that. When they slapped you, it wasn't crying; it was hallelujah. In a deep voice. <laughs> Come on now. When you're 91 and still in love with Jesus like that, man, it gives, all, yeah, it gives us all hope, amen. It gives us all encouragement. And it blesses everyone in here to know that if you can make it that long, you can make it! That's because y'all have had an easy life and no trials or temptations. Now, Sister Vipperman speaking up. <laughs> She's going to testify now. Verse 10, Who, whoever, whoever wants to embrace true life and find, and find beauty in each day must stop speaking evil, hurtful words, and never deceive in what they say. Always turn from what is wrong and cultivate what is good. Eagerly pursue peace in every relation. Pursue peace. Eagerly, come on now, pursue peace. Pursue. Did you know you have to pursue it? in every relationship making it your prize it's a prize to, to maintain peace in a relationship for the eyes of the lord yahweh rest upon the godly and his heart responds to their prayers but he turns his back on those who practice evil above all constant echo god's intense echo god's intense love for one another for love will be a canopy over a multitude of sins be oh, and by the way be compassionate to strangers, to foreigners, without complaining. You know what? Love could have fixed all the problems in the Corinthian church. I don't have time today to go through all their issues. How many know Corinth had issues? Corinth was a church. It wasn't a church of former Jews. Corinth was a, let me put it this way, Corinth was a seaport in Greece. Corinth was a bunch of ex-sailors. They knew how to cuss. They knew how to drink, and they knew how to fight. And they had all these moral issues, and some guy sleeping with his stepfather, or something—you know—all this mess, and and all, all these problems. And they were fighting over, you know, they were starting to split over. Well, Apollos is my guy. No, Paul's my guy. Peter is my guy. And, they, and, they, and the disunity and all the and they and they had a lot of spiritual gifts, but they were misusing them. But love could have fixed every one of them. Look at this 1 Corinthians 3.1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual, mature people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. What are we talking about today? Maturity. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. How many times do you hear people say, "I I want the meat of the word? People live on the milk of the word. He said, I'm going to give you solid food. So what is that, teaching? No. He said, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you were still not able. You're saved, but you're still drinking milk. For you are still carnal, verse 3. For where there's envy, strife, divisions among you, you are not, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? In other words, you don't love each other. The solid food he's talking about is love. See, I told you, not an amen, not one amen. Can I get an amen? See, whenever we're talking about love, we just, blow. oh yeah, I love everybody. How do you show it? Do you show it? How many know the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Did you notice that all nine of these refer to relationships? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision doesn't matter if you're legalistic or not legalistic, it doesn't matter, you know, what you believe, what you he says, but faith. Said, but faith working through. So if, if we could really love each other, we could have a revival. Yeah. How many are still tuning me in? Pray, we fast, but what about love? Yeah. Yeah. How many still? How many are still tuning me in? What about caring about each other? Yeah. Could that not send a revival? Oh, Jesus, help us in this place. I know it doesn't sound real Pentecostal because <laughs> we're all about the gifts and the power, but you know what? We don't love each other. There's no gifts. There's no power, at least not real stuff. Come on, give him praise. No, it won't be real if it's there. What did we say last week? What did we say last week? And, and I don't have time to break all this down and prove it to you. So you need to get the tape. But listen, when you push people away from you, that's cursing them. When you draw people in, you're blessing them. And I'll just use the one example one more time. Jesus was not cursed for us, he became a curse. He, he, was, he didn't just carry our sins, he became sin. And for a moment on the cross, he became a curse and he became a sin. And what did the Father do? He, he said, Jesus, can you imagine the, a split in the Trinity? A split in the Trinity. Why? Because of sin. Now, he rises from the dead, and he defeats it. He pays the price for that sin, your sin. Amen. He paid the price for your sin, came up out of the grave. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. I heard someone say the other day, uh, hell has a gate, but Jesus has a key. <laughs> Glory to God. Wow. Wow. When you push people away, it's a curse. When you pull them in. Remember Jesus said, if you hate your brother, you're actually killing him. Why did he go to murder? Because you're cursing them. He said, if you lust after a woman, you're actually committing adultery. Why? Because you're cursing. So let me close with this, which doesn't mean I'm ready, but I'm close. The Lord's Supper. We, we mentioned this several months ago, but it's coming to fruition right now. It's The Lord is birthing this. The Lord's Supper. Just quickly, why did, why did they come together on the Lord's Supper? It was to celebrate the Passover, right? But they didn't really celebrate the Passover. I mean, they did, but they didn't. Jesus changed the whole meaning of it, didn't he? And they were there to celebrate the Passover. They were there to celebrate what God had done in delivering the children of Israel. But he wound up breaking the bread and drinking the wine. And he said, do this in memory of me. Not memory of the Passover. I'm giving you a new. I'm giving. Listen, it's not about Moses. It's about me. Moses can't get, the law can't get you out of Egypt, but grace will. And then he demonstrated what that meant. This is important. It's not just about communion around the tables. Listen, here's how he demonstrated that. He began to wash the disciples' feet. And he said, Do this. He said, Do this. You know, take the take the bread take the wine and then he also said do this wash one another's feet you don't physically have to wash someone's feet but what you do have to do is prefer your brother what you do have to do is take the time to figure out what's wrong what you do have to do is when you see him on i11 at walmart instead of running and hiding you go say hi Instead of avoiding each other, you're attracted to each other. Come on now. It's healing the sick, loving the broken. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a church like that. And we all want that. We're just not willing to lead the way. We're not willing to be the one who steps out. Quit waiting for everyone else to get in the raft. Just get in. Because the more get in, the more we'll get in.